This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, Sean, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Um just how did you get involved in rowing? I got involved in rowing a long time ago in the fall of 1988 when I was asked to be a coxswain at Northeastern University. And then I got a little bit, after several years of coxswain, I got a little bit bigger. I tried my hand at rowing, and I've been rowing ever since. A couple national teams, a bunch of medals, a bunch of races, meeting a lot of fun people. I see. And what is it like to be a coxswain? Sorry, what was that? What, what what was it like to be a cox? Uh, it, was, it was fun. It was, uh, we had some aggressive times out there in the river. Um, you know, it was a little hard keeping the weight down after a while, so I, I had to get out of it. I see. And where did you transition after the cox? Uh, I, I transitioned. I ended up rowing my final year at Northeastern, and then I ended up rowing for Riverside Boat Club. Okay, and was it in a, a single, a double, a pair, a quad, a four, an eight? Uh, I've done them all. <laughs> I've, I've done everything from a, a single, double, pair, eight. I raced in every boat in every weight class. And what is your favorite boat you like to row in? Uh, probably the single is a pair. Um, the double's fun, too, but uh, sometimes uh, as you get older, you just don't want to deal with all the... Uh, you could say the, the the other ego is in the boat. Okay, and were you a lightweight or a heavyweight at that time? Uh, I've I've always been a lightweight rower. Um, I do race up in class to heavyweights as well. Might as well get uh, double the amount of racing in. I I see. And did you find that a problem with race time? No, 
Not at all. Uh, I don't mind racing heavyweights. Uh, I've, I've taken down my share of them. So no problem racing heavyweights or lightweights. Huh. And when you went into university rowing, where did you go after that? Uh, I, I went to Riverside Boat Club, and that, that's where I laid most of my bones in rowing. Um, you know, done, done all my racing pretty much at Riverside Boat Club, for Riverside Boat Club, and uh, a couple times on the national team. I see. And looking back, do you, do you did you enjoy it or do you regret it? I still enjoy it every day. I still row once or twice a day every day to this day. I see. And and what you know today is about strength training and endurance and so on. When you were rowing at your time, was it the, the exact same or was it different? I mean, as far as strength training, uh, I mean, I've, I've done both um, depending on the time of year, I guess I would say is when you would do endurance training to when you would do endurance uh, weightlifting to when you would do uh, strength training, which is mainly for like those long, hard months during the winter. I see. And tell us how you how you got into Wintech. Uh, let's see. I run a, a website called Rolling Illustrated. They purchased some advertising space off me and uh, connection started there, and, and then I heard they were um, looking for a regional representative, and um, a couple conversations later, I was then brought on as the uh, Northeast Regional Rep. I see, and were you finished rowing at the, at the time, both club and internationally, or were you still tipping away? What was that, sorry? I said, were you were you still rowing at that time, club level and international level, or had you retired at that I, stage? I finished up rowing internationally, and by that point, I was I'm just rowing on the mesh. I I was I was retired as an elite rower. You would you could say at that point, and just rowing for the fun of it, enjoying going out once a day, mid morning instead of twice a day at early hours and late hours of the day. I see. And did you start? Was WinTech your favorite boat at that time, or was it something you just got used to or new to? Uh, we, I was using a different brand of boat at the time. Um, no problem. I was using probably a fluid at that point. Um, I still use the fluid for a little bit, and but over time, we we've developed a great boat at WinTech. Uh, that that has really taken off. Um, so it's been no problem. Uh, moving to the new hull, um, I actually just got the, the higher-end model about two weeks ago, and it's really moving well. I'm probably more responsive and more and stiffer than, not more stiffer, but stiffer than, than anything I've used in quite a long time. And, how, and why is that? Uh, it's, it's an all-carbon boat, um, all-carbon rigger, all-carbon boat, uh, five uh, points of connection from the rigger to the boat, so it makes it really, really stiff and really, really responsive at the front end. Okay, and does it does that mean you can still get the technique power in? What's what's different comparing to a, a Stanfi or a Filippi? Uh, I mean, those, those are different poles. Um, you know, once you go from one type of model boat to a different type of model boat, you, you try and have to get a feel for the design shape versus how it picks up off the front end versus how the boat sends. Um, you know, at some point, the, the design of boats, you know, become pretty 
in line with each other and you're more or less uh, buying from a person you can trust and like um, once you get the, the both designs lined up. So um, our design and, and, and integrity and uh, the durability of the product and is, is on par with all the top companies now. And we put a couple companies behind us now. I see. And if, if the person was buying a boat brand new, what should they look out for or look for? Uh, they should look for what feels comfortable. Make sure they're getting in the right size boat. Um, I'm very careful about making sure I size the crew properly. If, if I don't size them properly, then, then we have to switch out and get a crew into a, a right size hull. Uh, size is important. Comfort is important. Um, how you row is important um, with some of the boat designs. I, I, I'm still trying to understand the uh, short boat um, versus the long boat uh, discussion, but it's, it's how you row with how you're comfortable and then the company you're going to go with because you're going to make a big investment. You want them to be there after the purchase. Uh, you know, if you, if you purchase from a company that's somewhat overseas, and they have really good representation here, what do you do? You're sort of left there waiting for three weeks for a spare part. You're you're waiting for parts. You need to be able to say, okay, what if I need something in 24 hours? Will it be there? Hopefully, yes. How, how quick is that person going to pick up the phone when something goes wrong? You, you need to be able to get that response. And when you say size, size of crew, how do you do that? You want to know what the average weight of the crew is? Um, do you want to know if it's for women or men? Um, do you want to know, uh, in some cases, how tall they are? What's the biggest athlete? What's the smallest athlete? Um, those those are the things that you're looking for as indicators. I'm not going to give all my secrets out because those other boat companies will pick them up, uh, especially if they're listening to this. So they're not going to get everything, but you want to get the main facts of who's in the boat, what they're using it for, what type of level crew is using this boat. You do not want to sell someone uh, a Porsche when they don't need one. Um, some companies will do that to you. They will sell you their high-end boat to a crew that doesn't need a high-end boat. You want the right type of shell for the right type of crew for the right type of reasons. And what's the difference between a racing, a training, and a recreational boat? Uh, training boat is, we'll start at the, the bottom. We'll start recreational boat is something that you're just going to be you know, some people have a recreational boat daily once or twice a week um, during the summer um, where they can just lug out to the pond or a river they're staying at for the summer and they'll row recreationally. A training hull is something that's a little bit lighter, still pretty durable. Um, you know, the, the construction methods change a little bit as you get up to higher end boats, but this is something that can be used. It might be a little bit heavier in construction. And in the materials used, but it's going to be durable and it's going to get the job done as far as getting crews out in the water in smaller boats, um, sometimes bigger boats because you'll have novices out there, and getting them to learn how to take correct strokes is what you're learning, learning to do in a training hall. Those are the ideas you're looking for. Then as you get to your racing hall, you're now getting to the more delicate materials, you're getting to the lighter shells, you're getting to, you know, where everything's starting to get fine-tuned in, where you're really getting the crew size in order. Um, those are the things you're looking for there at uh, a racing boat there. Um, so those are, in, the, in a nutshell, those are the three levels you're looking to, to fine-tune people on. A racing shell is going to be used for 
for training during the high-end racing season where you need to be very responsive and very fast. And are the materials the same? You say that the racing boat is lighter than the, the training, but are the materials the same? No, the, the materials do change. Um, like I said, you can go to an all-carbon boat. Um, carbon riggers is, is the new thing where you are going light and you're going stiff at the same point with, with all-carbon uh, materials. Uh, things tend to break easier and can be damaged a little bit more. For so you feel a little bit more careful. As you go down into the training boats, the materials change a little bit. You're getting to Kevlar, you're getting the fiberglass with carbon reinforcement, but the materials do change because the boats do take on a little bit more weight and take on a little bit different dur durability. And can you explain to us about the, the carbon and the stiffness of the boat? What are you looking for there? I'm saying if a person's looking at the... the 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 specs of a Wintec boat and they see its carbon fiber and its stiffness. They, what does that mean to the, the individual? Um, carbon fiber is, is very light and it's very stiff. So you're getting the lightest boat at the stiffest and light and stiff equals fast. Um, at some point you do need to take the light, you need, do need to take good strokes in order for that to become effective on the water. I see. And if a person buys a boat and they realize they, they gain a few pounds over the boat, or they, does that affect the, the condition of the boat? You would want the boat to be at weight or slightly underweight at the time of a purchase of a racing shell. Um, you can't really take weight out of a boat once it's overweight. You can always add weight to a boat to bring it up to weight. Or if it's at weight already, you're right there. There are season minimums and for for racing shells that you do need to have. U.S. Rowing has minimums as well, so you can probably take a look at whatever World Rowing has for minimums as well as U.S. Rowing has for minimums on weights on boats. Okay, and with Wintech, they have quick release riggers. Um, how do they? Are they made of pure metal or carbon, or how are they made? Uh, quick release is a mechanical function on uh, aluminum rigger. Uh, we're getting away from the quick release format there. Um, poses a problem. It's, it's easy to use once you know how to use it, but it takes time to know how to use it. I recommend going with bolt-on riggers um, for most of my boats, except for training halls where you're going back and forth from, you know, Sweep rowing to sculling rowing. That's where the quick release comes in, in fashion there. Uh, people have been doing quick release options for boats on years. Um, it's, everyone has a different method to doing it. Uh, but for, for high-end racing boats and things like that, you want to take that question out of the cell. You want to take that 1% out of your mind where quick release could possibly fail, and they have failed. Uh, I, I, I prefer both one. Um, you know, it makes the boat feel a little bit steadier. And... You know, but but I've had to go with quick release and been successful with it. So it's more or less what you're using the boat for rather than what the function is or what it's made of. And why are they a problem? Um, not necessarily a problem. I mean, it's it's as anything with a lot of moving parts. Moving parts can fail. Uh, there, it's not just us. Uh, I know that you know. 
there are other boat companies out there. I'm not going to name these here, but they have quick-release foot stretchers or they have spring-loaded foot stretchers, you know, and things like that that can fail given time. I mean, if it's your own individual boat, that's probably fine, but the more people get in and out of your boat, the more things can fail. I see, and with oars, do we use, I know Wintech just released oars, do you use Wintech oars, do you use Concept, what are your preferred oars? I've used every oar there is. Uh, right now I'm currently using Croker Arrow oars, um, and I love them, I think they're fine. Uh, I've used Rare oars uh, when I was at my fastest, and that was more upon me being fast than anything. I've used Concept 2 oars, I've used Wintech oars. And I've used everything. I try everything. Uh, it's oars, you know, you have to get used to, but at some point you have to really get into a boat, adjust the oars correctly, and then go. You can't blame the equipment. But right now I am currently using Croker Arrows, and I think they're a great solid oar. Um, probably the best oar tracking through the water I've ever used. I have not tried the new Wintech skin oar yet. Um, I know we just had a prototype out. I have not tried it. But I will likely get my hands on that as well and try that and see how I like that as well. Um, but like I said, I've used, I've used every oar to success and to the losses as well. So it's not always upon the oar. Oh, okay. And do you use uh, like stroke coach in your boat as well? or? Um... I use an NK Speed Coach GPS. Love it. Got the newest one. Got it about a month ago. Great. Great features in it. Uh, good readout. Good memory. Uh, nothing. No issues with it whatsoever. It's great. Great. Great product. And is it, is it as a rower? Should they? Should someone buy a stroke coach? Is it important in the boat? Uh, if you're stowing, yes, I recommend it. Um, it. It's up to you and what you're trying to get out of your rowing to decide what equipment you need, I guess is the, the answer there. If you need feedback um, every every stroke, it's, it's there. If you need feedback every minute, it can be, it's there. Um, some people use an, an iPhone with an app on it. Um, I don't use my iPhone in a boat because I don't want to take calls in my boat to the ring. Hmm. Uh, so it's, I prefer to leave my iPhone with all my contacts and everything back on shore so I can enjoy my row. Uh, but I, I recommend an NK speed coach. I have the GPS, the newest model. Um, I forget what it's called, and I apologize to Ben Churchill for that. He'll probably be upset with me, but uh, it, it's great. I see. And I noticed that the uh, adaptive rowers use Wintech. Is that a main client of you guys, or, or is it just... Uh, Sorry, let me let me rephrase that again. Adaptive rowers used. I noticed that adaptive rower because I'm I'm vision impaired myself, and we use Wintech. Is that a, a common thing you guys see? Uh, adaptive rowers use our equipment. Yes, uh, we we were uh, backers of U.S. rowing and supplying boats, and we do supply boats as adaptive boats uh, to to everyone. Um, I mean, it's it's basically our Explorer 21 and 24 modified with adaptive seats that, that make the boat usable for adaptive athletes. Uh, community Rowing in Boston does have uh, 21 of our uh, adaptive boats and they use recreationally and for adaptive athletes. 
Okay, and I noticed the kickboard, not the kickboard, the, the rail is wider than a Philippier Stampy. Is that just a design aspect or is it something that you guys thought about? I would say that's a design aspect. Okay, excellent. And um, in when you were rowing um, for America, where did you row? Where, where, which, which position and which boat? I rode in the lightweight men's pair and in the lightweight men's squad. I see. And did you get to the Olympics? No, there's no Olympics for those boat classes there. Oh, okay. I was not that good. Uh, let's put it like this. For national team, you probably have to be in the top three or four, I would even say 5% of, of your grouping. But as you get to an Olympic class, you, you pretty much have to be the top 1%. Those guys have earned every bit of their Olympic class stature. And I was not up to that level. And how did you feel about that? At some point, you just have to sort of look at yourself and say, hey, I'm not an Olympic athlete. Those guys are much better and much more uh, determined, and I also think age is playing into a role. My, my life at that point, as I was getting into my mid-30s, um, but those men and women who are Olympic athletes are something, something special. I see. And what what do you think makes them special? Just the training, or some people are freaks and can just be total athletes. Some people work very, very hard at becoming an Olympic athlete and, and give up a lot and sacrifice a lot. And it's sort of a mix. Uh, those people all over. Um, I, I've seen people who I did not think would be Olympic athletes become Olympic athletes. I saw people who I thought would be Olympic athletes did not become Olympic athletes. It is a, I, I don't know exactly, but I, I've only seen it from afar. I've never been to the Olympics. I've been in boats for the Olympians, but, you know, they're, they're, all, they're special. They're uh, a special breed of person. I, I see. And um, what was it like being in the boat with, with the, Olympic, the Olympic guys? Uh, he needed to learn how to row better. He just had a better early score than I, but he was a bit of a neat guy. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, it's some, you know, didn't know he was going to be an Olympic athlete at that point. Um, but you want to know what? They're all rowers. They all, you know, everyone's, I, I don't know how to put it. There's nothing special about being in a boat with an Olympic athlete. Not unless you're at the Olympics on the line with the Olympics and working hard in a training camp with the Olympic athletes. That's, that's where it comes through. But, it, you know, I was rowing with excellent teams. We were all sort of on our way going down in the training than rather going up in the training at that point. Okay, and who was your coach that coached you in your um, in your rowing club? Oh, I've had dozens and dozens of coaches. Uh, I I it's I've had so many coaches. It's crazy. Uh, I've hired coaches. I've fired coaches. I thought some coaches were great. I thought some coaches needed work, and I've watched some coaches go from horrible coaches to great coaches. Um, I've, I've had a lot of coaches. Thanks to all of them out there. Um, I just had dinner with one of my old coaches, Steve Sawyer, who was probably a big influence on my, my rowing career. Um, my old pair partner, Tom Keister, was a rowing coach of mine. Uh, Lindy Murray was a rowing coach of mine. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on about all the rowing coaches I've had. And did any of them inspire you or influence your rowing? 
did anyone inspire me to row? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I inspire, I, I don't know if that's a word I would use about, I mean, I've had people I've looked up to, like even the Mary, I've had people I've looked up to, I, I could even say I've looked up to Mike Katie, I've looked up to a billion coaches. Um, inspire, I think inspiration is taken upon yourself. You have to inspire yourself to row. Okay, and did any of those influence the way you rowed? Every single one of my coaches influenced the way I rode. Uh, some for the good, some for the better. Uh, you know, the names I've mentioned before have inspired me to do good things. Mm. Um, there have been some coaches. Uh, Chris Kordanowski, you know, the man who, you know, probably related pretty quickly to me of how, how much I need to work on my rowing in order to get to the next level. Um, but then there are people who really affected me technically and made me a technical role, like Linda Mary or Tom Seaster, or, or people who give me their solid background in detail, like Steve Sawyer, or there's just so many, like uh, Jill Wilhelm, who who had his own influence on my run. Like I, like I said, every coach is, has given me the... I'm taking something from every coach. Okay, I see. You have to. Yeah, you, you do indeed. Out of all the coaches that are in the world, was there one particular coach that you really wanted to row with or be with? Let's see. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I've gotten the most out of it. Now, if you ask me a place that I wanted to row, that's a different story. But as far as coaching, I don't, don't know. I've never looked at someone. I've, I've had, you know, Charlie Butt give me great things to think about, and he's considered a guru of coaching. I've had Chris Korzenowski give me something to think about. I've had Mike Tatey uh, give me stuff to think about. I've had all my coaches give me stuff to think about. But as far as one coach, I'd love to work with It's I've never sat in there. I've sat in a billion, billion conferences now, and, you know, I, I hear a lot from a lot of different coaches, and you take a little bit something from each one. Everyone has something to offer. And the do you row sweep or skull? I do both. Uh, like I said, I rode on the national team in the pair, and I rode on national team in sculling. Um, I prefer sculling on my own right now because it's my own schedule, and I don't get in arguments with anyone but myself in the boat. So it's a little better for me to skull, and but I do sweep row a couple times a year, and I enjoy it. I I rode with some great people in sweeping boats. And is there anybody in the world that you would like to row with? Anyone in the world I would love to row with. Huh. Ah, I don't know. I, you know, there there's some buddies of mine I wouldn't mind rowing with that I have friends with uh, that were good rowers. Uh, I, I jump in boats with anyone who's good um, that won't, won't give me injury uh, at this age. Um, so as long as they know how to, they have some good abilities, I'm, I'm happy to row with them. I'm not, you know, it's, I've rowed a lot of good people. You know, I've been pleasantly surprised by some and pleasantly disappointed by others. But it's, you know, there's no one I look forward to rowing with. I like rowing. 
um, with my friends who know how to row and I can trust. I see. And did you pick up any injuries during your career? Not too many injuries, knock on wood. Um, I tweak back or so every once in a while. I tweak the muscle, but nothing too serious. I got hit by a car a long time ago, and that was probably the worst injuries I've ever seen in my life. Um, some say it made me smarter, but, uh, you know, I am, uh, I've, I've got a skull fracture from that. I separated shoulder, broken shoulder, broken back muscle. So uh, that that was probably the worst, and I came out of that okay. But as far as rowing injuries, knock on wood, everything's okay right now. Excellent. And you, uh, you said you had a, a rowing podcast. Um, explain a bit about that to us. A rowing contest. No, I was, I was saying that you mentioned that you had a, a podcast. Um, is, was it rowing? Oh, yes. I, I, I run a rowing website called Rowing Low Street. I do a uh, rowing podcast with uh, all sorts of people, anyone from Maine, from Olympians to coaches uh, to uh, college to international athletes. Um, Matthew Pinson, Andrew Campbell, uh, Mike P. Uh, Mike, Mike, uh, Tom Terhar. Uh, all sorts of people have been on the show and enjoyed it. And how did that come about? Uh, just working the, working and trying new things. Uh, just thought I'd get into podcasting and push the right buttons and was able to start. And then we were able to record and, and get things done. And just Sometimes you just got to ask people for an interview. And sometimes they'll say yes and sometimes they won't even respond. Mm, yeah. And... And over the time of having that podcast, did you learn anything that, that kind of wowed you? Uh, I learned anything good podcast. I learned a lot. I learned uh, keep it simple, make it easy, uh, and that goes for rowing as well as the podcast. Um, you know, let people enjoy the sport and ask the right questions when you're doing the podcast. Don't make it boring. Don't ask the question everyone else is asking. Mm, yeah. And and do you take the tips and apply it to your own technique and skills as, as a rower? Sure. Sure. There, there, you can always get better. You can always get better at everything, is what I tell people. I've, got, I've gotten better just by watching a novice launch a boat. I, I learned something. So you can learn something any day from anyone. You'd be surprised. And you get, as you get older, you, you realize that. When you're younger, you don't always realize that. You think you know everything. But guess what? You can learn from everybody at any given point. Amazing. And when you, were, when you were younger, did you want to do everything you could? Or were you kind of relaxed as a, as a young fella? Everything I could. Uh, I don't know. Sure, I probably wanted to be an Olympian. Sure, I wanted to be on. I guess I, I hit my goals. I wanted to be in the national team. I got on the national team. I wanted to get back on the national team. I got back on the national team. I wanted to row well. I wanted to row with good people. I've done that. I've wanted to learn a lot about the sport. And now I like to give back to the sport. And now I get to do what I love by working in my field. I see. And is there 
is there many different techniques you do, or is it just the, stim the, the simple um, catch, drive, finish? Oh, getting the technique, we could be here forever. Uh, <laughs> keep, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Uh, don't overthink it. There's no magic bullet in rowing. Hard work, basic technique. Uh, putting in it to catch light and, and accelerate through the drive. Uh, don't overthink it. There's no magic bullet to rowing. Why is there no magic bullets? There just isn't. Everyone who's looking for a magic bullet means they usually haven't done the work. It all comes down to how much work you're going to do. Okay. Fascinating. Um, and does this or you said that different ores do different things does the ore participate like you know like if you want to have the the best ore does that help the, the technique or is it just the same it, it's you know you could say it's the equipment you could say it's whatever but you want to know something I received an email from a coach just the other day and if I look at his email and I am looking for it right now he said to me I'm just looking for it real quick uh, here it is. Uh, what did he say? Good work, because we both know that it is the roller that moves the boat regardless of the quality of vessel. There you go. Pretty simple statement from the coach. Okay. Wow. So it, it's all about the roller. You can row in an old wooden boat and beat the hell out of a someone who has a $12,000 brand new Empire. Amazing. You know, get... get Get the right equipment, get it from the right people, get it from someone who's going to stand behind you, and then you'll be successful as long as you do the work. Okay. And the, does the bigger the boat tell, like, is there anything improvement, or is it just a standard boat? Is it like a single or a pair or a double? Are you... I, I, I didn't quite hear that, sorry. Sorry, Um, I was saying, does... The size of the boat matter on the size of the material material that's used. Size of the boat does matter. Uh, size of the material is that what you said as well? Yeah. Um, size of the material. I'm confused, but I would say the material of the boat and the size of the boat go hand in hand as long as it fits the rower. Okay, I was more... Like I said, I'm getting back to that aspect of everything has to fit the rower, and the rower has to be comfortable. I see, and how can the rower be comfortable? Mm, as far as where their feet are adjusted to, as far as the boat size fitting them, you have to be in the right size boat. If a boat is too big or too small, that won't work for you. Um, unfortunately, some people do have that issue because they can't avoid them or to buy what they need. Um, so yes, um, you know, how a boat is set up comes down to the coach. Coach needs to make sure that the, here, here's the thing, rig for comfort and you'll find, for, and you'll find speed. So I'm not necessarily a rigger. I can't tell people how to rig, but um, a good coach told me, he's like, rig for comfort and you will find the speed and then you can make small adjustments. Okay, so it doesn't really matter if your if your feet or stretcher is all the way towards the front and your oar handles are very wide. It's just comfort. It, it all depends 
depends on what style you're rowing with. Eight rowers can, eight rowers can do all the same things long and be successful. You'd be surprised. So, but it's all upon the way the coach wants to set their crew up. Do I have my preferences? Yes, but that's based on my body type. Do other people have their preferences? Yes. No one is right or wrong because you will see people win in different ways. I see. And do you think uh, a rower should go towards the science route, like the lacto test and the VO2 max, or just continue their, their kind of style of training? At an elite level, you need to have, I would suggest VO2, VO2 max, max testing and lactate testing, yes. Okay. At an elite level. If that's what you're inspired to, you should be doing lactate testing and you should be doing VO2 max testing. I see, and so if, if you're not aiming towards that level, it's just your standard training. Right. There's no use wasting your money if you're just going to be out there recreationally training. Yeah. If, if you're going to be an elite role, you need to know those numbers and how to train proficiently. Hmm. Um, and did you want to become a rower, or did it come about, or explain to us? Did I want to become a rower? I sort of fell into the sport. I became a coxswain first, then became a rower. Once I was a coxswain, I knew I wanted to row. Once I got too big, I knew I could row. So I took it upon myself to row. And were you, like, were you very young at that time, or were you at a certain age? I was in my early teens to mid twenties, a toxin early twenties, and then from my mid twenties till now, I row. So I've been rowing because I've enjoyed it. Okay, and what skills should a rower have? What was that, buddy? What skills should a rower have? Oop, you're breaking up there. What skills should a rower have? Yeah. Is that better? Yep, that's better. Uh, skills a rower should have, I would suggest perseverance. I would suggest the ability to wake up early. I would suggest the ability to follow to to deep to follow details. Um, the ability to listen. The ability to change. Are the things you need to become a good rower. And the ability to work hard and not be afraid. Okay, excellent. And and looking back, would you change any anything? No, I wouldn't change anything. Um, you come at a certain point in your life where you're happy with what you've done and what you're doing. Um, yep, I sound like an old person now, but would I change anything? No. I've learned a lot from everything I've done, and I can hopefully pass along to those younger than me, and they can use it so they can have more successful careers than I had. Excellent. And do you have anything planned or events coming up in the year? Uh, just my normal regatta schedule. Head of the Charles is coming up. Uh, the Red Bull event is going to the Red Bull High Stakes event. We'll be back next uh, August. Um, so I guess just my normal racing and travel and regatta schedule, and then that's about it. You'll see me at all the big regattas, and I'll be following them online for the, for the most part as well, for the ones that can't make it. Fabulous. And, and where can we find you, Sean? 
What was that, Tony? Where can we where can we find you and your website and what you do? You can you can find rowingillustrated.com. Um, all the discussion takes place on the board section, but rowingillustrated.com. Um, you can get me at Sean at wingtechracing.com if you have boat questions uh, and and just general questions in general. But that's where you can find me. Or at the local bar after a big race. That's where you'll find me as well. <laughs> and with, with the Olympics coming up, do you have any uh, any rowers in mind that could be a dark horse or someone that you're looking out to watch? I'm watching the USA team and I'm hoping they're kicking the crap out of the great British team. <laughs> and is there any particular rower you have in mind or is it just watch everybody? I watch them all. I watch every single race that they allow me to race. Or allow me to watch. Sorry, I'm not ready to say anything. But <laughs> I'll watch every race that I can watch. Um, and my wife will so much hate that. But I will watch every heat, every semi, every rep, every final during the Olympics. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, I, I just want to say thank you very much, Sean, for taking the time to to come onto the show and share what what you've got to share. No problem. Uh, feel free to call and ask me anything ever again. It's pretty good. Sure. Um, excellent. Do you have any uh, recommendations that you recommend, or is it just... Uh, um, I've, I've just recommendations of who to talk to? Or? Yeah, I've just stopped the recording here, so I just wanted to um, uh, pick your brains if you knew anybody that would be interested or to talk to, or um, just as a... You should reach out to everybody. See who's willing to talk to you. Uh, I would pick a topic. Um, I would suggest keeping the interview about 20 minutes long. And, you know, make it fun. Make it fun for them. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Sean. You have a, you have a great day. No problem. And I'll email you when you. the, the show is live, okay? All right, no problem. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.